And so we're in this series called Lost Connection, and we're talking about living a life of love. And, and we're talking about this issue of lost connection. Can you hear me now is the title of the message this morning. And it's this issue of, can you hear me now? Can you hear what I'm saying? Can you understand what I'm saying? Unfortunately, a lot of times people can hear you, but you may be communicating something that you don't intend to communicate. And we need to understand what Paul is trying to help us understand. Words are powerful. Words carry weight. I mean, I, I don't know if you're like me, but when we, hit, when we hit Ephesians chapter 4 and we started applying the theology, the doctrine that we learned in chapter 1, 2, and 3, it got really personal. It got really difficult. And today is going to be no different. So here's what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting, and listen, these, these words that end in I-N-G. Um, they're, they're so important. We're going to learn these three principles. The fourth or the, the, the third principle we'll really learn next week as well as we lead into next week. But watch this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And in the middle of this, talking about relationships, it's really important. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, bitterness will destroy you. Bitterness will wreck you. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. There's the, the third word, forgiving. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here a while back, Donald Trump was in an interview, and, 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 and a reporter asked Donald Trump, he says, you know what, I, I, I would like to make a request. Could I, could I travel with you? Could I travel with you for a week and do a story on your life? And I quote, Donald Trump looked at him and said, believe me, one day of me is enough for anybody. The question is, is do you have a Donald in your life? Are you sitting next to your Donald? The first was a relational question. The second was an IQ question that you should not answer out loud. <laughs> but the problem is a lot of times we all have a Donald in our life, or maybe we are the Donald. And maybe there are people around us who say, you know what? One day, two days of you is enough. Glad you got a job. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about this issue. Paul begins talking about this issue of words and the power of words. And he begins talking about how to value people or valuing people or adding value to their life. Let me give you three principles this morning in this area. It's just, I mean, there's so much application here. The first one is this. If, if, if I'm going to add value to someone's life, I must learn to control my mouth. I must learn to control my mouth. Verse 29, Paul says, he puts it this way, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Now listen, he's not talking about profanity. He's not talking about cursing. He's not talking about any of that. This word corrupting in the Greek is a Greek word called sapros, S-A-P-R-O-S, that means this, to rot, to decay, to spoil. I mean, it's, 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 this, it's this word, or it's these words, or it's this talk that destroys, that decays. In other words, in classical Greek, or in, in everyday Greek language, they would use this word sapros, and they would use this in relation to food. That food that was once good to eat, that was once nourishing, is spoiled, uh, whether it's cheese or whether it's a meat or whatever, that it was once good to eat, 
and now the way it's being served, and now all of a sudden it's rotting, it's decaying. In other words, it's unservable, it's unserviceable is what he's saying. He's not talking about cussing. He's not talking about profanity. Listen, I don't know if you're like me, but there have been some hurtful words said over in my life or spoken into my life that I still remember to this day. And, and there wasn't one cuss word in the sentence. There wasn't one cuss word in the statement. And so what Paul is trying to help us to understand that we have to come to that place to understand the power of words and that, that we have to come to that place to where we learn to control our mouth in other words, we, we have to come to a place where we're emotionally healthy. Or we have to come to that place to where our conversation or our words are healthy. Now, James has a lot to say about this area. And James chapter 3, James writes these words in James chapter 3 verse 1. He says, dear brothers and sisters, talking about believers, oh, talking about mature believers, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we are, who teach will be judged more strictly because our words carry weight because of the influence that we have. Verse 2, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. That's interesting. And could also control ourselves in every way. So Paul said, if you can control your tongue, you can control your life. You can control your body. And James is saying that if you can, if you can control your mouth, you'd be perfect. Now, Let's understand what that word perfect means. He's not talking about sinless. That word in the Greek is not talking about sinless. You know what that word is talking about? You'd be mature. In other words, you'd have emotional health. In other words, the way that you say things, the way that you say things that fit the occasion, that you would be healthy. You'd be mature. I, I, I still find it interesting. I, when I go to the doctor, the doctor, he or she will ask me, stick out your tongue. Obviously, by looking at your tongue, it's an indicator of what's going on in your body. James would say the same thing. Your tongue is an indication of what's going on in the body. Your tongue, the words you say, the way you phrase things, the emotion you bring, the anger you bring, is an indicator of what's going on in your body. In other words, James would even say it stronger. Guess what? Your tongue, it's a steering wheel of your life. Your tongue can chart the direction of your life. The words that you say, your conversation, can break up relationships, can hurt you in a career, can hurt you with friends. James goes on and says in verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So all of a sudden, James starts using illustrations, and he starts using illustrations that we could understand. That you can take a two to 3,000-pound horse, you can take a metal bit, you can place that metal bit over the horse's tongue, and because if you can control the horse's tongue, you can control its direction. And by the tug of a rein, on the left or the right, you can choose the direction of that horse. In other words, your tongue and my tongue controls the direction of our life wherever we want to go. I mean, it, it can be a phrase. It can be a word that destroys trust or hurts us. You, you, you look at survey after survey from CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, and, and they, will, they will tell you things that the number one characteristics that they look for for executives is emotional health. That in their estimation and by their, by their, um, by their surveys, 
CEOs of Fortune 500 companies would tell you that people skills, emotional health, many times is a lot more important than their knowledge. In other words, what they're saying is the ability to work with people, it, it, you can be great at what you do and you can be brilliant, but if you cannot work with people, people cannot go along with you and get along with you, then you're going to have difficulty. In other words, what CEOs say, it's this ability to work with people, this ability to build trust. You can talk to some top salespeople, they'll tell you the same thing. Top salespeople, you know what they'll tell you? They will tell you that people skills many times is more important than product knowledge. It's the ability to add value to someone's life. It's the ability to build relationships. You can, you can sit down with teachers and tradesmen and shop foremen and small business owners and pastors and parents, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you that people that, that, that have people skills and having good people skills is the difference in their life of excelling or struggling in life. In other words, what James says, what Paul says is this, people skills are invaluable. And James goes on deeper and says, you know, a, a ship with a, with a small rudder, I mean tons of, 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 of metal that, this, this, that this, this small rudder can, can make the ship go left or right even, even when there's strong winds, even when there are big waves. And what James is trying to get them to understand is that, that your words that you say, it determines directions of your life, it determines the relationships around you. And it reminds me of an old joke. It's one of my favorite jokes about this guy. Uh, he, he wanted to be a monk. And so he goes to a monastery and he, he applies. And, and they say, yeah, you can be a monk, but you're going to be on probation for three years. And what that means is you're going to take a vow of silence for three years. Now, at the end of every year, you get to say two words. And, and that's it. And so he, he agreed to that. He committed to that. And so at the end of the first year, the, the, the new monk told the, the, the head monk, he said, uh, bed hard. He goes, huh. At the end of the second year, he got to say two more words. And so the young monk looks at the other monk and said, food cold. He goes, huh. At the end of the third year, the last year, the young monk looked at the head monk and said, I quit. <laughs> the head monk looked at him and says, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. All you've done, all, all you've done since you've been here is complain. I'm telling you, your words, I mean, you ever been around somebody? Man, and they, all they do is like complain. They find, have you, ever tried to have you ever tried to compliment someone and you're like, sorry? Like, hey, great project. Hey, you know what? We just want to compliment you on your promotion. Oh, yeah, I know. You know, it, it's going to be hard. I mean, the pressure, the stress, the hours. I don't know if to spend a lot of time with the family. I mean, I don't, you know, and you're like, dude, I was just trying to give you a compliment. I mean, you ever been around someone that to where all of a sudden this issue of the mouth, this issue of the tongue is, is a little bit negative? Paul, or, or the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs 18.21 says, a tongue can bring death or life. Talk about relational death. Talk about relational life. He's talking about this issue of the tongue and the mouth. And, and who loves to talk will reap the consequences. And so what, what the writer of Proverbs is saying is this. Your, your tongue, the words you say, can give life or death, relational life, relational life to those around you. Most marriages and most relationships that end, it generally goes back to the tongue. It generally goes back to the mouth. Your tongue and my tongue can give death or life to relationships around us. And 
It's amazing to me that, that spouses can say the most negative, critical, hurtful things to one another that they'd never say to anyone else. And then they wonder why their spouse doesn't really want to spend any time with them. James goes on in verse 5 and he says, In the same way the tongue is, is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark. I mean, it was just a word, just a comment. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. James says, your mouth, your tongue has the power to, to destroy. It has the power to, to cause you to lose it all. A, a careless word can destroy a person's life overnight. Gossip, what Proverbs says, is, is like a, a fire that begins to spread. And who can put it out? And it just spreads quickly and wreaks havoc. I mean, the president, if, if, if you don't know anything about golf, it may be hard for you to understand how prestigious this was, but the PGA, uh, president of the PGA, this man had worked his whole life to his dream job. He had worked in a, in a golf course at the age of 16 in the cart barn, and, and, and he was a ball boy, and he was a caddy, and, and he worked his, all the way up, and he got his dream job. He became president of the PGA. Unbelievable position. position unbelievable privilege that he will now have for life even when he's no longer the president of the PGA. This last week he tweeted a derogatory comment about a PGA golfer Ian Poulter. There's no cussing, there, there was no profanity, it was just disrespectful, uh, it was it degraded him and uh, he lost his job. He lost his job even to the point that he no longer will have any of the privileges that any of the past PGA presidents had had. I mean, I, I really wonder sometimes how many people, because of a careless word, have destroyed their marriage or their career or their reputation or the reputation of another or their church or a friendship. What James is trying to get us to understand is, is your tongue, your words... They're not just words. They, they have power. And he said it, 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 it can be just like a, a small spark that is out of control and destroys. I mean, it destroys a, a forest. I mean, we know that, right? In Colorado, we, we've seen the damage. I mean, remember the Haman fire, one of the largest fires uh, in our history? It was started by a lady by the name of Terry Barton. Terry had received a, a letter from an old boyfriend or and uh, there were some hurtful things in there. And so on her break, she decided to go out and just build a little fire and burn it. And from a single match, it became one of the largest forest fires in our history. And James said, that's, that's the power of the tongue. Verse 6, he goes on, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's whole world of wickedness, corrupting. See, there you see that word, that Greek word again, sapros, that it's, it's unservable. It's unserviceable. It's rotting, it's decaying. Because I don't know if someone's ever spoken a negative word into your life or they've spoken a word over to your life that you just carried with you. Maybe it was something that a mom said, maybe it was something a dad said, maybe it was something an ex-husband said, an ex-wife said, maybe it was something a coach said, maybe it was something that someone in your life was significant in your life and they made, they made a comment, they said something, and it, unless you get rid of it, it can just sit in your life and rot. So it goes on in your whole body. 
You can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by, by hell itself. And James is saying is you, you can respond and you can say things out of anger and you can say things out of frustration that can create a, a chain reaction that you never, that you never intended. Proverbs 21-23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. That'd be great advice. Some situations of life, right? And then he gives a promise, and you'll stay out of trouble. And James says that you have to control your mouth because it can affect your relationships. It can affect your direction in life. He goes on in verse 7, he says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish. It's interesting, verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. In other words, what James is saying, you know, I got news for you. It is not humanly possible to control the tongue. That only comes through God's help. That only comes through being spiritually mature, spiritually healthy, emotional health. What James is saying is this, guess what? The only hope we have of controlling the tongue is being spiritually mature, growing in faith, growing in Christ, getting rid of bitterness, getting rid of unforgiveness, getting rid of all of those things, getting rid of the wound. See, that's why life journaling is so important to me. Because I notice in my life, when I life journal at a deep level, it helps me in that area. It gives strength in that area. Fact is, if you've been life journaling with us, you know that we've come out of a season of Mark chapter 8 and Mark chapter 9 when Jesus says, hey, the things that are outside the body, they do not defile. It's what's inside the body. It's what comes out of the mouth. It comes, it's what comes out of the heart. Those are the things that defile. And James would say those words that we say, they're like a deadly poison in the Greek. That means snake venom. In other words, just, just, just one drop can kill you. Just one drop can, can affect you. Just one word spoken into your life can, can cause you to carry it for a long time. And, and so he's saying, my tongue and your tongue is an indicator of what's going on in your life. Verse 9, he says, this is just a paradox, a strange thing. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. This is so crazy. In the, in the heart of, of Ephesians, Ephesians 4.29, when he's talking about, Paul's talking about people and the words that we say, and he comes to 4.29, he says, hey, and don't grieve the heart of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And you know why he said that? He said, because it gives him pain when you talk about someone that's been created in the image of God. You, and you're talking about a believer, you're talking about a believer that the Holy Spirit indwells. And then James says the same thing, he just puts it a different way. He said, when you curse people, who've been created in the image of God. And it, man, in, in church, we, could, we, could, we can come to church and we can sing praises and, 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 and how much we love him and all of this other stuff. And then, then unfortunately, we can get into our cars and come, someone can say a word, someone can say something. It's totally different. It's amazing how quickly those things can change. See, this issue with James, cursing doesn't mean profanity. It means something deeper than that. Any kind of put down, any kind of, any kind of curse into someone that's created in God's image. I have a close friend. It wasn't until his 40s that he was able to get rid of, of this bitterness, this bitter root that was in his life. And it started when he was a child. He was... He didn't have a good relationship with his dad. His mom and dad divorced early in life. And, and after they divorced, they divorced, divorced in his early teens. And he, he saw his dad two more times before his dad passed away. And his dad, one of the few times, his dad took him fishing. 
and they're coming off the coast of, of Texas, and in Texas we got ginormous bugs, and this bug hit the windshield and splattered guts everywhere. So the dad turns to my friend, the dad turns to him and says, son, you know what that bug has that you don't have? He said, no, dad, what? Guts. My friend spent his whole life trying to prove his dad wrong. But he did have guts. He doesn't have fear. He can be successful. Man, it wasn't until his 40s with a counselor's help that he was able to get that bitter root out of his life. That bitterness was destroying him. See, our words carry weight. You'll never amount to anything. You always fail. And you never. You know, you're, you're good for nothing. You'll never amount to anything in your life. You're just like your dad. And that wasn't a compliment. You're just like your, you know what? When you do that, you're just like your mom. Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? You're stupid. People can carry those words. I know people carry those words their entire life. Trying to prove that I'm not stupid. Trying to prove that I'll melt to something. Trying to prove I'm not a failure. Trying to prove I am good for something. There's not any peace in that. And James is trying. He's just trying to get us to understand. And Paul is trying to get us to understand that, that our words matter. Our words carry weight. Verse 10 out of James, he says, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, that is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with, with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevines produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So, so James begins to answer the question. He says the reason that we use those words is because of something that is in us. Something is driving us, whether it's a wound or whether it's a pain. I mean, a tomato plant will never produce oranges. It just never happened. And so my problem is not really my tongue, what James has said. My problem is my heart. It's a heart issue. And, and we can fool and we can pretend to be something that we're not. But guess what? Sooner or later, our tongue will betray us. Sooner or later, it will come out. And some people will say, you know, I just don't know why I did that. Don't know why I said that. Well, James has said, yeah, it, yeah, you do. It's something within you. And the second thing is this. If you're going to add value to people's life, that you have to come to the place that you truly value people. In other words, people are not a tool for you to use. People are not a resource for you to get something out of. People are not there for your benefit. In other words, to where you understand that, you know what? I'm going to value people. James put it this way. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up. Listen, that word building up means building a healthy structure. It means building a house. It means building a building that will stand. As fits the occasion that it may give grace, so, so here's, a, here's a condition of our words, it may give grace to those who hear. So there's three things about how we can add value to someone's life. 
The first one is this, is you have to value them. I mean, you, a lot of times when we get out of line with people, when we cross the line with people, it's because we no longer really value them. We actually value ourselves more than we value them. And the Bible says we're distinctive people. The Bible says we're different people. I never will forget, I was, I was learning to play golf with a buddy of mine from our church, and we were on the 13th hole of, of, of not Holly Dot, uh, walking stick. And so he hit a crummy shot, another crummy shot, I might add. And so he hit a really crummy shot. I wasn't doing any better. I turned, turned to him, and I made a derogatory comment. I made a comment that I thought was stinking funny. And I just told him what I thought of his golf game and thought of that swing. He looked at me, and he goes, hey, Ephesians chapter 4, was that building up of another? <laughs> I didn't know we were going to have a theological uh, conversation, so I turned to him and I says, well, I don't know about you, that built me up. <laughs> and he says, you're taking that verse out of context. It's not for the building of you up, it's for the building of others up. And I'm like, oh, you know what, that carries a lot of theological weight. You know, here's the deal. When I cross the line with my words, it's because I place more value on me and I devalue them. A lot of times, isn't it interesting when we, when we use words we shouldn't use? A lot of times, it's not about sin issues. It is about personal opinions. And we allow our egos to get in the way. I regret the, I regret the time that I've wasted, wasted in my past on issues that did not really matter because it's just my personal opinion with people that did matter. And James is saying, you've got to come to this point where you really value people and you begin to add value to their life. There's, there's some people, we just need to pray, God, how can I add value to their life? Second thing is this, if we're going to add value to life, I have to make myself more valuable. James would say this, continue to grow in faith. Continue to grow in maturity in faith. In other words, you, you and I cannot give away what you do not have. You cannot have healthy relationships if you're not emotionally healthy. I cannot add value to other people's life if, if I don't value them. And you have to add value to people's lives and relationships around you. I mean, I, I don't know if you can do this, but think with me in your past and remember someone who's spoken a blessing into your life. That's rare, right? Someone that's really spoken a blessing into your life. You know what I have to do in, in my Bible back in the, in the fly leaf? I, I have every word that was ever spoken into my life a blessing. Because what I found in life, that's so easy to remember. But boy, I can remember... I can remember the hurtful words. I can remember the hurtful things. Till we just have freedom in our life. The last thing is this, and, and I'm telling you, next week we're going to unpack this even deeper. I must get rid of my personal pain. I'm telling you. For us to do what James is talking about, for us to do what Paul is talking about, a lot of times we're responding to people out of our pain. A lot of times what happens is if someone touches a wound, and when they touch the wound, they're getting the anger that we had for the person that gave us that wound, plus the frustration with them. James would, or Paul puts it this way, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Then here's the charge, verse 32, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And he lets us know what that means, forgiving. 
as God in Christ forgave you. That we're to walk in such a way that we forgive others the same way that Christ forgave us, totally and completely, at least us. Next week, we're going to unpack this at a real deep level. The title of the message is, Leave Your Message After the Tone. But we're going to talk about what it means to get rid of all bitterness. What it means to forgive. The same way that Christ forgave us. And I really believe, I've, I've seen some things in this area of forgiveness that I've, I've just never seen. About what it truly means to forgive. And Paul's, ta Paul's talking to us in Ephesians that the reason we've got to get rid of bitterness is because bitterness will destroy you. And it will drive some things in your life that it shouldn't. That's why communion, that's why communion is so important. We're going to take communion today as a, as a church family. And as we take the bread and we take of the juice in just a few moments, we're going to look at this issue and we're going to we're, it's going to be a reminder to us that as we take the bread and we take the juice, that what Christ did for us on the cross. And if our servers, if you guys would like, begin making your way back, that'd be helpful. And we're going to begin looking at this issue of forgiveness because Christ went to the cross for us while we were still sinners. He goes to the cross for us so that we can have a, relation, a, a relationship with God. And the Bible tells us this, that before we take of the bread, before we take of the juice, that we need to examine our lives. We need to see where we line up with him. Communion here at Fellowship of the Rockies is, is open to everyone as long as you're a believer. If you have a relationship with Christ, then we, we invite you to take of the bread and take of the juice. The, the servers will begin handing out the elements, two cups on top of, of one another. And you'll take both those cups, pass it to the person next to you, and then you'll hold those cups in place until we take together as a, as a church family. And I would invite you as you examine your life that you would use Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And maybe you'd ask him, is there any bitterness in my heart? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? And maybe you would focus on the forgiveness that Christ has given you. And then we'll take of the bread, we'll take of the juice in just a few moments.
before we take of the bread, the bread is symbolic of the body of Christ. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. He went to the cross. May have been the last temptation of Christ when, when Jesus was on the cross and they offered him the bitter gall. And he rejected it. He rejected bitterness. And then he prayed a simple prayer. He chose forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know know what they're doing. It's the reason people love to be around Jesus. Jesus attracted people who were not like him because he added value to their life. He didn't tell them all the mistakes they made. He didn't tell them everything they'd ever done wrong. Just added value to their life. Knew who they could become in Christ. I think it'd be helpful for us just as a church family uh, just to make a declaration. And do we use Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 together before we take of the bread and we take of the juice. So I'm going to invite you I'll lead you. We'll read it together. But that we'd read it out loud, this verse. And we'd just make a statement that we're distinctive people. And because of our faith in Christ, we're going to live life differently. And we're just going to make this as a commitment. So would you read this verse with me out loud? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's make it personal. Instead of forgave you, let's make it me. Can we read it one more time? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave me. We're forgiven. We're totally and completely forgiven. Communion is not like a funeral. It's not like a sad time. Communion is celebration when we celebrate that we are totally and completely forgiven. And because of what we've received, we pass it on to others. Our past is gone. We're in right relationship with Him. Father, we thank You for communion. We thank You for this bread. We thank You that You went to the cross for us. And now we can have a relationship with you. And may it cause us to live differently as we walk with you, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me? The Bible talks about without the shedding of blood, there'd be no forgiveness of sin. Jesus was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And because of that, our sins have been forgiven. Father, we thank you as we take this juice for your sacrifice. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Father, may we, may we understand what that means. May we live out Ephesians 4.32 in our lives. May we add value to others. Thank you for what you've done in our life. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.